Hi. Hello. Hi. How you doing? So good. Welcome back to the Wine About Birth podcast. We are three birth professionals. And best friends. And we're here to talk about what it's really like to live in the world of birth. It's not all glitter and rainbows. Or as we like to say, it's a lot more shit than giggles. I'm Kim Haynes, midwife at a busy birth center and small home birth practice. I'm Meredith Rout, also midwife at the same small home birth practice. And I'm Jess McKee. I'm a doula for clients in and out of the hospital and also a birth assistant with you time you fine ladies Ooh, at our out of hospital practice. I thank you for that beautiful compliment, Jess. Are you practicing your slow talking today? <laughs> it's I a am. slow talking kind of day. I, I don't know if it has anything to do with the fact that I've already had two glasses of wine because we were supposed to start recording at ten, but then <laughs> Meredith got Wait, stuck cl- in traffic. Let's tell 11, them what time 11. it is. Right we're supposed now. to start recording at 11. Meredith got stuck in traffic. Then 81's a nightmare. I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. Kim got caught up in work stuff. Mayor started and making food. it's 2 o'clock and I had started <laughs> drinking. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and I have to meet Nikki at the pool. So let's get let's on it. Do it. Jump on let's it. dive in. Jump on it. Like, like a, a muff. muff. So I think I got here today and I was like... We are recording on the porch again, despite the fact that we shouldn't, because it's an absolutely beautiful day. I used to give so up pretty. the porch. So I turned the gate control up on our sound equipment a little bit more to try and drown out the cicadas. But when I first got here, I was like, oh, I think we're at the end of the whole cicada run. They're no, being really quiet. It was just too early. But now we sat down to record, and I'm like... Nope, they're definitely loud. And someone will start mowing their lawn, and then someone will start weed whacking, and it'll be just like Somebody every time. Somebody will start chopping wood yep. or feeding trees into, like, a chipper. <laughs> also, live humans that scream at the top of their lungs, which is what always happens when we record on the porch. Oh. That's never happened, by the way. So, today we're doing an episode that, that someone requested. It's been requested, and we've covered this episode several times. but or it's this topic. But it's been a while, or this topic, it's been a while, and it's such an important topic, and it's really so misunderstood in our culture. I just wanted to say, I don't know if any of you watch Laura Clary, but... um, We love her a lot. We love her. She's a really awesome comedian on Facebook and on YouTube, and she posted this week her video called The Fourth Trimester where she talks about her experience with postpartum. Mm-hmm. And it was really just, like, raw and real. and Yeah, she's super, like, she's usually really funny and goofy, and this was just, like, a really vulnerable look into her not-so-happy immediate postpartum with her baby. Yeah, and it wasn't because anything had, had gone wrong. It wasn't because there was any, like, other things, things happening. Things out of her control. It's just talking about how, like, the truth. (laughs) It's the truth. Postpartum is such an important period of time. And we in our culture do not respect it enough. Especially American culture. And she made it clear that she is, like, she's like, I'm so happy. Also so sad. Also so tired. So she's just, she touches on all of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's so normal. Yeah. As we had said. So we did a fourth trimester episode um oh my gosh way back in episode nine that is really wild because that feels like it wasn't that long ago but i mean that was yeah and then we did postpartum depression episode 18 and 19 and then episode 38 was preparing for postpartum but one of our clients asked for one about 
specifically about setting boundaries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because there seems to be this cultural confusion about what people should or need to do for people they love who have given birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that is the biggest problem in our culture when it comes to setting boundaries is that because we don't respect the postpartum period enough, um, we, we sh- as a culture feel like we are entitled to be to a part of that experience. Yeah. In that experience, as opposed to making it mother centered. It's almost like right. the mom is like lauded as this beautiful vessel while this baby is still inside of her. And then as soon as the baby comes out from her body, Mm-hmm. It's all about the baby. Yeah. And mom is just there picking up the pieces and trying to put together this new cuz identity. Really, you're really a new person. Yeah. No matter how many babies you've had, yeah. you're a new person when that next baby comes out. And so we wanted to talk about the difference between birth cultures and how if like postpartum and like like really putting importance on postpartum was a normal part of our culture as it is with other cultures Mm -hmm. that we wouldn't feel so bad setting boundaries. It would be normal for us. Right. The fact that we even have to set boundaries speaks to how unintentional our postpartum time is in the States. Can I read this quote by Suzanne arms because she talks about our culture. You can do whatever you like. I lost my (laughs) voice after we recorded last and yeah. it's still not all the way back. So I f- sound like Marge Simpson's sister. You I think did. Sexy. You did like like really gather up your ovaries, though, and decide to sing karaoke with yeah. us. Despite I did. The fact that you had no voice, which was fun, but it was cut short because some unhappy person decided that we needed to follow the rules and take our adorable children home. Who were like literally the joy of the evening. They, they were, were so great. Awesome. But yeah. it's fine. Chuck's like, those are the rules. And I get it. It's not a law, though. It's like just usually a club rule. Like children aren't there after the certain only, time. I don't know. He said it was more than one person that complained. So we just have to accept that people. That people are see you next Tuesdays in well, a not good way. They don't want kids. <laughs> they don't want to see children after nine o'clock. I get that. I get it. Even when they're singing them really great songs. I don't usually <laughs> want to see children after nine o'clock, but they happen to be particularly adorable and not annoying that yeah, night, I which know. is very they're rare so for them. Great. I know. That's all right, you guys. We'll have a redo. We'll have the kids for a little while, and then we'll have our adult karaoke yeah. time after they're gone. Yeah. So read the read the quote. Yeah. So Suzanne Arm says, is ours not a strange culture that focuses so much attention on childbirth, virtually all of it based on anxiety and fear and so little on the crucial time after birth when patterns are established that will affect the individual and the family for decades. And it's just so true. Um, And then later I read and we were talking about how someone had had brought up that we look down on undeveloped countries that live in poverty but oftentimes these countries out of necessity or what have you just their culture takes care of their moms Mm -hmm. so here we are with everything at our fingertips like every possible resource and for some reason we have one of the highest rates of postpartum depression yeah whereas these countries that have almost nothing i'm not saying they don't have it but you don't see these moms off on their own. Like they're, they're in a community of women and family that help them. And our culture just doesn't do that. And I just wanted to say what I loved about that quote was the fact that 
When we think about the postpartum period, we tend to think of it as just like, this is how I'll be affected for this 12 weeks or this six weeks or this six months. But it's not because your postpartum period is, like it said, a foundation. Mm -hmm. And the things that you bring into that foundation, just like when you make a foundation for a house... It affects the entire, it can affect the entirety of your parenting journey. Yeah. And so starting your postpartum off on the best foot possible. There's no perfection, but on the best foot possible. And that's when it starts at birth. Like if you have a peaceful, non-traumatic birth, great. That's one foot down. But then what comes like the directly on the cake? Right. Then what happens directly after that? Where's your next foot going to fall? It is because you can have a great birth. But if your next foot falls completely alone with laundry and dishes and no one to help you with your toddler, it's only going to go downhill from there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really hard to make up those lost times where like and, and like I said, again, I want to think about this as more. This episode more is like mom-centered, but not what moms need to do, but what we as a general bigger community can do to realize the support that moms need. Mm-hmm. And that some of that support doesn't come from asking for things, but more so setting boundaries like yeah. or saying no. Like we, ch- we tell moms, like I tell moms all the time, just say no to that. Mm-hmm. You can say no, but in our culture... It's hard to do that. You want to please your mom, your grandmother, your friends. So instead of being lavish with like food and massage and all this stuff, we're just, we're make one mom said, I had someone ask me to make them coffee when they came over. I just had a baby. I was bleeding from my vagina and it hurt to sit. And I got up and I made this person coffee because that is what was expected of me because I'm the younger generation. And I was like, what is so wrong with our culture? But that's the whole they shouldn't even have to be making boundaries. Like if we like had more dialogue about what is normal for mom's postpartum, like the goal would be that people aren't asking other like moms to make coffee or like coming over unexpectedly or unannounced. Like hopefully uh, the conversations will shift the culture. So like moms aren't even having to do that for themselves. Because really in other cultures, you don't have to make those boundaries as stronger because it's just expected. It's come to become a normal thing. I mean, there's definitely like exceptions to every definitely rule. Definitely exceptions to every rule. But America we talk does about that have all the, the time. worst per- like, perception of postpartum. And out. it becomes about everybody but the mom. Yeah. And it's, and like I said, like, we as Americans are feel very entitled to be like, I want to be in the birth room and see the baby be born. Yeah. We're egocentric. I want to meet the baby. Well, I want to be part of this baby's life. And the mom somehow gets lost in the mix. Whereas if we can start to realize that if you can support a mother and her postpartum to be the best version of herself that Mm -hmm. she can be, that we're going to change the world like one mom at a time because moms are the backbone of our everything of every society really i feel like american culture especially is so fast-paced and so focused on like what's next what's next what's next and then also like on productivity so i feel like if we can change that and slow it down like when you talk about other cultures and they feel like the difference is that they are like move at a slower pace so you can actually like take the time to honor where you're at in your life and like what these chapters mean in the long term and like actually just being present for other people (laughs) But we feel guilty about it as well. Like I was, I have a client who I'm friends with on um, Facebook 
and I was reading her posts and she just had to go back to work after, you know, her 10 weeks or whatever, which is entirely not enough time. No. But we've come to a place in our culture where if you get 10 weeks or 12 weeks, you feel lucky because other mm-hmm. people only get sec- six weeks. Mm-hmm. And so it's like she was talking about how she she just went back to work. They had such a rough day. And she's like, it makes me want to think about quitting my job so I can just stay home with my baby. And so it makes these impossible choices because it's like, you're not wrong to feel that way. Like, that is normal. That is super, super normal. We've just created this really fucked up expectation based on not on, like, mom's well-being or baby's well-being, but probably on something. Like, they probably found the number six weeks by doing like studies on the economics of like moms being home and not exactly. working. And, and it's, I don't know. It, it's so funny. Like my Grammy, um, would always bring up, she was an anti-feminist, right? Oh yeah. Hey, so, but some of the stuff that she said was true. Like, why do women need to work? Like, why do they need, since when do women not get the chance to just mother their children and love them? And, it is she, the most important job in right. the world. Right. But, of course, she's coming from a that's their job right. perspective. Right. But underneath, it's like, that's true. If we want to be able to do that, why do we now live in a society where we cannot, because we cannot afford it, because everyone has to either have a roommate or a partner that works, because you can't afford a house or a car on one income anymore. Yeah. Could you ever? I don't know. I guess maybe... Or maybe we're living outside of our means. There's just so many reasons that this is happening. But if a mother wants to stay home and love her kids, that should be possible. It should be a choice. Like we And they we shouldn't, shouldn't be put down for it. Like, oh, yeah. look at her. She's not. Oh, she stays home all day. Like, yeah, that's the hardest job in the world. Yeah. Except for your job, delivering babies, Kim. No, I'm I mean, just joking. It's still easier <laughs> would, than. No, it would be much harder for you to do. <laughs> Now it's harder than being home because my kids are older. But that's what I love about Laura Clary is like she's so real. And I know more people are like that. Like she's wiping her kid's face with her booby pad that's got boob juice Mm -hmm. on it. Like, yeah, we've all done that. So why do we all think we need to be more like the microbiome anyway? You know, I actually one of my favorite parts of that video that she said was when she said that she's afraid to have her friends around because her friends are going to see how unruly her toddler is or they're going to judge her for her parenting choices or the fact that she can't wipe almond butter off of her kids that really resonated with me because it's like we've also created a culture where we're so afraid of being judged by our friends because of our kids actions or whatever's happening that it's easier and to isolate and really people judge each other when they're unhappy and so it's like we judge other people because it makes us feel better about ourselves because we don't have the ties in the community that we need. I mean, like, honestly, me and you, Kim, have been friends for a long time. We went through childbearing. There's been times when I've judged the shit out of your kids, and yeah. there's been times when you judge the shit out of my kids. Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it was a safe enough space yes. to be like, you know what? I still think you're a good mom. Yeah. And I think our kids are turning out pretty damn good in the long run compared to some other children i would say considering yes. how hard they crushed karaoke the other night i would say they're doing on they're right. doing good but even like um it even comes from within your own relationship so before chuck had any experience with being 
a, an at-home parent because he was always the one that was working all the time. He'd come home and get to be the fun parent mm-hmm. or, or the whatever parent, and then they would go to bed. Yeah. So he would say things to me like, oh, my God, is that is that poop? You know, and like Carly and I used to joke, is that like, chocolate or it's, poop? It's like, yeah, have you met your son? He wipes poop right. literally everywhere. Like, <laughs> you, like, how hard would it have been to just wipe that off the wall? And I'm like, fuck that. I'm going to sit right here. I'm too busy trying to keep it off my I'm kid's face. I'm not getting face. up right now. So like even Chuck, but then as soon as he started being the home parent, he was like, oh my God, I get it. So it's even within our own little like most trusted partners. Right. You even have to create if boundaries you don't, with them. Right. Like there are boundaries that you just don't get if you're not in it. And it's just making for a horrible mother you know, Parent. lifting up culture. I don't yeah. know how you and do then, better with that but then wording. Sometimes, but. <laughs> but then sometimes it is, it becomes like a jealousy thing because you can have a good friend that you were best friends with your whole life and she had to send her kid to daycare at six weeks and go back to work and she knows she missed out on really good things and then you're at home with your kids and they're wiping poop on the wall and so then you start judging each other. Right. Because oh, yeah. it's like, or oh, being jealous. your kid is wiping poop on the wall when you as a mom didn't go through that like really intense period, even though you missed it. It's like all these weird feelings that come into play. But I feel like so much of that would go away if we truly honored the full postpartum period and the full postpartum period. Really, they say you don't go back to normal what you're, you know, I'm quotation yeah. mark fingers. Quotation. Like your new normal with another baby. But until, like, <laughs> yeah, until you're like, your baby is like two or three. Yeah. What and, am I, I, and even that is questionable. Yes. Right? But that's when I started to feel a little bit more like, oh, I'm a human being, not just a mom. One of my favorite things, one of, it might have been one of you guys, but I think it was a client said, is like, everybody's different and you'll just like wake up one day and you'll realize that the fog has cleared a little oh, bit I and you're yes. a little bit clearer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe it was from hearing you say it to clients. It's like one of my favorite things to tell clients is like, everybody's different. It might be three months. It might be six months. It might be three years. For me, it was but three like years. But like one day, some, like it'll just clear a little bit and you'll realize, oh, I feel more like myself than I have yeah, for since me, I had this baby. For and that's so normal. For me, my metaphor was not fog. It was more like I was like literally in a hole like a groundhog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one day at around three years old, when despair. my second baby <laughs> was three years old, it was like I was peeking my head above the room. You were like, the, oh, look, a real world. I was like, oh, my God. You were prairie dogging. There's a world out there. Yeah, I, I was will, prairie dogging. I will <laughs> never. I don't know what day it was, but I will never forget when that <laughs> happened to me because Chuck and I were sitting right here at the dining room table. So that must not have been that long ago because no. the dining room used to be over there. Yeah. And I said, oh, my God. We have been sitting here for at least five minutes and no one has come in. Yeah. And he goes, why would you do that? You just screwed it all up. But it was like, I was like, oh, my God. It was an aha moment. Yes. It was like, we have a minute to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it had been years since that had happened. And since then, it's been a slow like coming out and being normal again. Whatever so normal is, I don't know. Definitely so, not normal. No, but just not, <laughs> not, I, I always say it. I used to sit in the bathroom crying in my own tears. Like it's a horrible place to be having any amount of small children. It's so hard. So looking back on y'all's experiences, so since you can so like strongly remember exactly when you guys like lifted out of whatever fog or hole you were in. Do you feel like there's things that you could have done boundary wise with either your partners or your family or friends to like have made like sped that process up? 
look at you, Meredith. You were just doing my job there. You're welcome. You just like took that. It's everyone's job, Jess. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know what? Well, I can't speak to it, so I'm curious the if you guys feel like different. if you reflect and look back that you know there's things the you could thing have done to help yourself more. that I most strongly wish I had done is I feel like I ha- really, really wish that I had surrounded myself more with people that instead of them judging me because my kids weren't wearing shoes and they had put markers on their face while we were in the car. Always. I wish I had surrounded myself with people that didn't make me feel like a bad mom for that. Mm -hmm. Because even though I was strong-willed enough to be like, hey, that's my kids. That's what they do. Sometimes I forget there's a marker in the back seat and I get out of the car and they're covering head to toe in green marker. (laughs) Still, when other people like bring their like perfectly coiffed babies out of the car, I don't even know if that was a word. (laughs) With their like, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but it's also just really with their awkward. like <laughs> hair bows and their like diaper bags, and I like pull up and I'm like pull a green kid out of the car. I wish I would have surrounded myself more with people who were like, that's yeah, that's yeah. freaking hysterical. Like your kids don't like to wear shoes and they colored on themselves kids, in the car. My mom sent those damn tattoo markers yes. and they still do that it doesn't yeah, matter Brock how old they like are he's got road rash on he his looked back like of his so, neck it's yeah terrifying. it's awful to look i really like he had been beaten i really really wish i compared myself less to the people around me because they are good moms too um but i really wish i compared myself less to the people around me which i don't know if it's possible to do that when you're in that zone mm-hmm. um but that would be my my biggest thing is just like surrounding yourself by people who understand your parenting style more yeah and to appreciate it so a boundary mm-hmm. for you would have been saying no to people that if you knew they were the wrong people to be around you should have set your boundaries and been okay saying no yeah to hanging out or to doing whatever with them yeah or just trying Dear to continue just my life the a way boundaries i was making me laugh. yeah or just continuing my life the way i was pre-kids and right. I was much better at that when I had my second baby. My first baby was definitely harder for me for that. My second baby, I was already at the point where I was like, I give zero shits right now. She has marker on her face. She's not going to wear shoes till she's three. She's been naked for the past 45 months. She usually doesn't wear any clothes. Say, I Neither do there. I. I usually don't wear clothes either. Like, you can like me. You can not like me. Whatever. Just take yourself and go if you don't like it. Yeah. If you, and if you do like it, hey, my vibe Welcome. attracted my tribe. Welcome <laughs> to my tribe. And that's where you came in, Kim. And here I no, was. You were already in my yeah. tribe before that happened. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't judging you, though. Actually, I used to freak out a lot because yeah. our kids have, like, I have OCD and you have no CD. <laughs> <laughs> That's so I'd be like, I love that. That's <laughs> a, I do have OCD. I just have, I have found myself it's usually related in to a food. life where <laughs> I found myself in a life where for the most part I cannot have OCD you or I would act on literally it. go crazy. Yeah. So my... No CD is just me being like, I'm going to choose to ignore ignore this this because otherwise I will literally go nuts. I think I would have, um, you guys are watching me only now set boundaries. I've set boundaries for work a little while ago and they've slowly gotten better. But I think I, 
I'm definitely one of those women that are like, I can do everything and I'm going to make sure that I take my kids everywhere and that I plan something for them every day and we have to go out all the time and I'm going to make sure that Chuck works, but then he also gets to go fishing, but then he also gets to do this. And meanwhile, I'm like doing nothing for myself at all. Yep. So my boundary should have been, I should have at least started doing something for myself, anything at all, probably 10 years ago. And I just started doing things for myself and like what the last years, two years yeah, it's two years. and it's questionable years. like i'm all excited i'm like guys i went to 7-eleven alone and you're like you're an idiot but to me i mean like <laughs> you have been running more consistently than any of us i am and, but that's also work that's not true I ride my bike That's every true. morning to the river. That's true. Summer is your power power season. Yeah, but I didn't. So yeah, that was, that would have been. You getting your mine. nails done a lot. I do every two weeks. I get my mm-hmm. nails done every two weeks. Fifteen dollars, well spent. Crushed but it. that goes so well into what we were actually supposed to be talking about. Which we have not been doing. Is that <laughs> we are? We were going to talk about how other cultures really treat that postpartum period. They like wrap it in bubble wrap and cocoon it and like sit it down. Put barbed wire around it so you can't get to it. And not just the baby, but the mom. The Mm -hmm. mom has so much expectation of you just went through something hard. You grew a baby inside of you. Let's give you, and every culture has different ones, but nourishing foods to replace everything your body just did. Mm -hmm. Like massages. And we're going to go through some of what these cultures do. So I have like, I listed just a few things so that we can talk about how different we are compared to them. But like Finland, for example, has a hundred and six. This is according to Healthline. So I don't know how old this article was, but they have up to 161 weeks of leave. Yeah. When you have a baby. Um, Spain, you get a cartilla de ambarado. I probably said that so wrong. Good. So close, right? What? How, how does it really come out? <laughs> I don't know what, what it's called. It, it's the mother passport. Carteja with the J? No, two L's. You're Carteja. not talking into the I microphone, Meredith. Okay, anyway, I did my best. But um, that passport, it allows you to check in with a community midwife every month during your postpartum time. Korean families, you're essentially secluded for three weeks. And that's a tough word, but that just means someone is waiting on you hand and foot and no one is allowed in your home except for you and the people waiting on you because you're supposed to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. So why is it that in our culture, instead of someone saying, hey, we're about to put you in this bubble wrap for the next three weeks where we will feed you and love you and massage you. We say we're going to put you and your baby on display for the next Every mother-in-law within 10 freaking miles is like it's my right to see that baby and hug it and also why aren't you feeding it formula at this point like yeah yeah why can't we set boundaries or why for can't that? i feed it with a bottle right why don't you go yeah. and pump so that i can feed this baby so basically what we're coming to is that if we start to realize that things are not right we can use our power to set boundaries to try and make our postpartums more right um, before we go to break, I just wanted to, and then we'll, I want to talk about those different cultures and have a conversation about that when we come back from break. But before we go to break, I just even want to talk just for two minutes about the difference between, like you said, the Netherlands. Um, in most other developed countries, mothers are given, and fathers, are they recognize even in the government that 
if you give parents the time they need during the postpartum period, they will ultimately come back and be better employees and mm-hmm. better people and better citizens of their country or whatever, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. But in <laughs> most of like the EU, for example, most of their countries have laws where it's like, you have one year of paid mm-hmm. maternal leave. You have one year of paid paternal leave. I can't even imagine it. Yeah. And you can time it so that I was, we were talking about that before we started. Like I met a couple from Germany who could time it so that they each took their time, their year off for their baby, but then would time their next pregnancy. So they would just continue their leave basically. Mm-hmm. And so they hadn't been to work in seven years and they yeah. still would have had their job back. Yeah, they had an interim person who obviously was like very established there. But but. it's based in science because science has come to realize that the first three years of a child's life sets the basically the building blocks for what their life is going to be like, whether like their connection and what happened to them. And like and and, you know, people can get over bad things that happen with help and love. But those are like very, very integral parts of humanity. I think what you just said is like one of the key issues with our culture is in this country, which is relatively new culture. We have we won't make any decision or do anything unless it's based on something that some scientist, usually a man, has proven quantitatively, Mm -hmm. whereas In Japan, China, the Netherlands, Finland, like they don't need someone to go, we did this study and it shows that if you give a mom time, she's healthier. Like they know it. But the problem is the research is is that the research is there and does show it. It's more that we prioritize economics over everything else. Yeah. Which the research shows that economically it's a beneficial thing as well. Ultimately, our economics suffer because humanity is not as healthy. We just focus on have our own people done our own studies is my question. Probably not. They probably haven't prioritized it. Right. Because it doesn't make sense for them to. No, it doesn't. (laughs) Because who's going to pay for all that time? But but ultimately, like every other developed country puts so much priority to that and it's not because they're special. It's not because, like... They're super wealthy. Like, yes. even countries that aren't super wealthy are giving p- mo- mothers more maternity leave. It basically comes down to that if you prioritize what humans need, you're going to have a better population. So if you prioritize humanity needing to bond with their babies in the first couple years of life, and if you prioritize the fact that humanity needs human connection and needs time off of work, you're ultimately going to have better workers, better humans, better society, less mass shootings, like less everything. It's so everything you're saying is a shit show. Is pointing to our need as a culture to prioritize our core, our family core, which starts with the birthing mother. Yes. And I have some things I want to start with when we come back from break about that. So it's time for us to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about these other cultures and how we can make it so that we're focusing on moms and just not just like cuddling babies because that doesn't really help us. And we'll give some examples on how to set boundaries when people contact you because that is important. Let's get a break. Cue the music. (laughs) Oh yeah. So the sponsor for today's podcast is once again our Patreon account. 
So what do you get for being one of our patrons? So today, we recorded some behind-the-scenes footage of us recording our podcast. Probably will get more than you could ever want from us, honestly. (laughs) Sometimes we do weird, crazy dance videos. Sometimes we roll in the snow in our bathing suits, because why not? Yeah, so basically the point of this is, is that we would love to have you as a patron of our podcast. If you become a patron, there are three different levels of monetary support, and each level gives you different perks. Um, So yeah, check out our Patreon account. It's www.patreon.com slash wineaboutbirth, and we would love to have you on the Wine About Birth Patreon team. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome back from that delightful break. Yeah, we, it was short. We took well, a whole because we two started minutes. talking a th- about the episode again, so we like, <laughs> might as well turn the mics on since we're, keep, well since we're going. still going. So I feel like we're just in this constant circle of self-destruction at this point because um, like one of the points that I was reading about is that American women push back against the concept of being confined yeah. or like taken care of. Uh, we don't want to be told what to do that we need to eat or sleep or relax. They don't want to not be in charge. They don't want to not be in charge of their kids or their household. And I feel like we just perpetuate that from the beginning. We're the only culture that tries to breed immediate um, self-reliance, like self-reliance, independence. Don't hold that baby when it's crying. You're going to spoil it. Give the baby formula. Feed it from another container. Let them cry, let them it, cry out. it out. Put them in another room. Don't and let I, your baby use you like a pacifier. Right. And I'm not, you know, and that's not me judging anyone that lets their baby cry. Like, I'm not saying. Like, we I, tell our clients it's about, like, balance and mental health, like, right. safety, like, too, right? Babies like, don't cry because they want to manipulate you. They cry because they want something. So, in other cultures, some babies aren't put down for two years. Mm-hmm. And they're the most independent kids out there because they feel safe well the science has shown like we're talking about science yeah has shown that connection in the first several years of life makes a foundation like i was saying of secure attachment that makes you a more independent person also but and i feel like most people and moms in our culture they feel that within them but there's also all these outward pressures like you have to be back at work at six weeks right all these other moms are telling you your baby is not your baby nurses too much your baby uses you like a pacifier your baby doesn't sleep through the night and ultimately if you're going back to work at six weeks postpartum you need your baby to sleep through the night because you cannot survive no if your baby's not sleeping through the night so I don't think the problem is is that we as moms don't get it. I feel like we ultimately always get it feel and that our way. humanity is making us want to do a certain thing. But these outward pressures make it so hard to do that. And we've trained ourselves from a young age that those outward pressures and obligations are so important that we end up overlooking our most important obligation in order to meet the more pressing ones that right. people are putting upon us. I also think it's really interesting from that quote that like that is pre- confinement is perceived as like not being in control or giving up control of that time because I feel like when we are like are going to talk about what other cultures do, like you still have the space 
to tell people what you need and what you want in that time. It's not like I know we have this perception of like mother-in-laws like coming in or moms like coming in and like taking over and doing all these things that we don't want them to do. But like the the like confinements that we're talking about in other cultures are so mom focused that it's about like what the mom wants, not about like other people projecting re- their expectations and onto them. her need as a human being to heal and be nourished and being an important part of the mother baby uh like couplet or whatever and it's also everyone is so different it's hard for people to provide help in someone else's way you know like even that one time where you said i said here's the formula thank you for babysitting take it i'm leaving and you were like i will not give your kid this formula and i said that's fine you can let him scream or nurse him i don't care and you ended up calling tiffany and the two of you nursed him before you gave him that damn formula but that was your choice but it's I don't hard think we gave him the formula you didn't give it to him you were like i'm gonna call this other person that also has boobs but it was even hard for you who and you do support me you're yeah. you were my main postpartum support but it's hard to do it the way someone else wants but it also comes down to the fact that ultimately and i can say this to you as your best friend <laughs> you didn't want your baby to have formula no but you had obligations yes that you felt you had to meet before your child was even old enough right to need so and that's that's off. where the problem is it is not and i couldn't pump i'm not one of those people that pumps hundreds of ounces so it was like Leave my kid with this formula, which was fine. I got over all that, and I was fine giving it. He had formula for six months with my breast yeah. milk because I had to. Like, I didn't have a choice, and he's yeah. fine it's somewhat. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it's like all of these moms that say to me, like, my, my mother-in-law or my mother says, she'll come stay for three weeks, and I'm like, oh, my God, that is amazing. And they're like, no, because they're going to do everything their way, and I can't fathom it. I can't even imagine the thought of my kid not taking a nap by 12, not doing this at 6 o'clock. Like, we well, cannot let go of our own control. Sh- control. And I don't think we have to, but, I mean, this episode is about boundaries. So yes. maybe what that looks like in that situation is a very intentional conversation or conversations about what you do and don't need for yes. the people who are supporting you. So, right. like, you have someone coming and staying here for three weeks. That's, and that is beautiful. That's really lucky. I get what you're saying when you say that it's not that helpful because it's not what you want, but then you just have to like have really potentially hard conversations about what you do and don't want. I do want to say that if you had told me that I was absolutely not allowed to breastfeed your babies, I would not have done it. You really stuck on that. I know you wouldn't. Matt used to leave me with Amelie and I was not I forbidden. If you breastfeed this baby, I will disown you and never speak to you again. Yeah. So I didn't. Yeah. And it's hard. It was hard, but that's what he and his wife wanted. So that's what I did. So if you are going out there to help someone, you're not helping for yourself. And we all have that person in our lives that everything they do is for them. Even helping you somehow it ends up about them or they post it on Facebook or somehow there's some saving grace angel sent from heaven above, but say no to them. Yeah. Yeah. Make that your boundary. No. Yeah. No. Or just don't have them come at all. No, thank you because you are not going to respect me as a mother and what I need. So no, thank you. And it's the hardest thing to say. Yeah. No, but also thank the you, most Jess, necessary for your boobs. 
Yeah. <laughs> I want your boobs. I'm just kidding. I, I say, pre- Kim actually, loves your boobs. I preferred your boobs over All the formula. All I can formula. say is you're welcome. Yeah, you're But welcome. I also still want to get back down to the fact that, like, society has made it yes. hard for us to do what we want to do as right. mothers. Because you would have ultimately preferred to be home nursing your own child. Yes, but I also needed a break, so it was fine. You but, needed a break. But as you were, like, along that line, like, I considered myself an attachment parent or and. I mean, I slept Same. with all my kids for years. They for were always so, on my so body. fucking long. It's forever. They and Brock still almost slept with me last night. But My nine-year-old still sleeps with me every night. And it's fine, but I couldn't do things that I was expected to do in my mind while a baby was wrapped on me. Because until they're older, they can't go on your back. Yeah. So there I was, like, trying to make dinner and get all their stuff ready for school the next day because Chuck was still at work. But you can't attachment parent and cook over a hot stove yeah. when you have a three-week-old. So then Brock's, like, screaming in the back in the bassinet because I can't wear him and make dinner. And I can't ask anyone to help because you had your tiny kids. Chuck's at work, and I don't have family here. So it's you could like, have asked me to help. My kids were older. I know, but you did help. You helped a lot. So it was like, even though I knew I wanted to be that parent whose kid was always on their body and always next to me, I couldn't do it. But you also but shouldn't you have had to ask for help. I should have known you needed help. Oh. Like because in 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 other cultures and we're gonna this is a good segue into that, we would have realized that a three weeks postpartum you should not be cooking dinner, and that's well, what you we're going to talk up about. That some, you, I think, set up the meal train, so I didn't make dinner for almost a month. Like I, well, every other day or every three days, I had meals, which was amazing. But a month is not long enough. But there's only so much a friend can do when they have their own family. So it just sucks because, like, my mom's far away. My grandmother's. I don't live anywhere near my f- core family. So we've just kind of all set ourselves up for this, like. Well, and yeah. this is where postpartum's du- postpartum doulas come in. And I said to Jess earlier, in theory, they should never be a necessity. But in our culture, yeah. they are. Unfortunately, and, families spread out right. a lot. And thank God for, like, Jesse's an amazing postpartum doula. We need more of those because most women are like me. They don't have a mom or a grandmother anywhere near them. Their friends are also having kids, and it's really difficult. So Yeah. So I just want to start out by talking about um, some of these other cultures, and it'll be a gateway for, like, some of these conversations. But I really appreciated this one from China. They have a traditional Chinese... Thank, thank you, China. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, China, for your traditional Chinese food <laughs> and, and also your postpartum practices. Uh, practices. So they have something called Zuo... Yewezi. We definitely need to look that up I before you try to say it. Don't Let's know not even try. How that it's fine. Good try. You did your best. Yes. And so in it, um, they do everything they can to keep moms from like catching a chill, from watching movies or reading books that could cause her sad, be sad, upset her, because we all know we're more mm. like open to being emotional in the immediate postpartum. Um but a lot of it was that others take over all your household duties. So they said that, I can't say it again, but Zuo Yuezi. Can you, can you spell it? Z-U-O-Y-U-E-Z-I. There but I really liked the way they put this. They said it's often referred to as the gateway, as it is a threshold between one way of being, your life before baby, like we were saying, no matter how many babies you've had, your life changes when a new one comes into the world. 
and then an entirely new existence, life with baby. Um, and these are all from that one book, right? Like the forty this is day. This a different. No. Uh, yeah, I think it is. But the whole purpose of this tradition is that the mother, again, not baby centered, mother centered, the mother can emerge more beautiful and rejuvenated than before. So how many That's times amazing. do you hear moms feel like they came out of postpartum more beautiful and rejuvenated <laughs> than before? I've never heard that. I've no. literally never heard anyone say that ever. But we also don't have moms who have really like strong practices like that. I did have one Mongolian mom who did like the really strict 40-day confinement period but for her it wasn't she was alone she didn't have any family and a lot of it is about like warmth and isolation and so yes. she felt like she was just like trapped in a warm room by herself for 40 days and I was like well it sounds like there's a lot of other things that should have been involved in that that you, unfortunately you didn't get to have access to because you don't have a lot you of got to wrestle it <laughs> but they said in the in this one they said that Doctors, traditional Chinese medicine doctors say that if she shirks this recovery, if she doesn't do it, um, sh it can result in insomnia, excessive night sweats, hair loss, anxiety, headaches. Um, so it's like the things that they do to help support, like they all have traditional foods. Like they're talking about Chinese traditional chicken soup. Because chicken soup is a really common theme. Yeah. In all countries. Yeah. So it's like, and and as we go through, you're going to see that there's a lot of the countries that have traditional foods. But the point of the traditional foods is to help replace nutrients that are lost during pregnancy and childbearing, which is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Um which, I mean, we talk about diet postpartum and we talk about like supplementation postpartum, but especially after doing like postpartum dork, my friend out in Portland, like she was so intentional and like used that cookbook. And like, it was one of the first times I realized that I'd had a mom like truly focus on herself postpartum. And, um, yeah, it was really you know eye opening. Most, most people bring, and I joke about this postpartum too, with moms with meal chain trains. And I'm like, have you been struggling with constipation? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, is everyone it, bringing all you pasta? <laughs> yes. It's the easiest Cheesy thing pasta. to do. So yep. most people, and it's, and it's very welcome and it's appreciated, but it's maybe, not healthy foods. maybe think about bringing like, um, something with broth or a veggie or something that will help the poo move through yes. <laughs> instead of clog them up. <laughs> yes. Uh, we don't mm. need the traditional American diet. No, no. When we're postpartum, we no. need things that are actually going to nourish our body. Um, I really like this, this from Zambia. So in Zambia, I, and I don't like this term. The mom is strictly banned because mom should be able to do whatever the F they want to do. But it does say the mom is strictly banned from any work around the house until the umbilical cord falls off. I wouldn't mind being strictly banned from yeah. housework. I wouldn't, be, I <laughs> that wouldn't feels mind fine that either. To me. I feel like sometimes, <laughs> I mean, maybe if we did approach it that way, stubborn women like myself would actually fucking sit down for more than an hour. I actually might be like, I'm going to wash these dishes. Don't oh. tell me what to do. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like also if I if that was our culture, I would be finding ways to prolong that cord. I'd be like, it's fine. It's <laughs> still goopy. <laughs> We're not yeah. doing a cord hurting ceremony. Could you, could you clamp it immediately so it's nice and juicy? It'll take yeah. at least two weeks to fall off. Not really, because you don't want to drag that out necessarily, but it's Theory, that's what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> 
your cord's still there for two weeks. Oh, that's normal. Perfect. So there's certain things that run through, like, certain, like, lines that run through all of these different cultures. So in Latin America, they have the La Quarantina, which I don't like the word quarantine right now. It's a little triggering. (laughs) We just got done with quarantine. But, um, so... Female relatives take on all domestic duties to ensure the new mother rests at home. And this is just normal. They know that's right. going to happen. And they know it's a part of their culture that they're going to take on the duties for these moms. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of these cultures are also being westernized, which sucks. Yes. I've, you know. Yeah. Like, we take all their good stuff, like their food, and then we leave them our shit stuff, like our postpartum. Like our postpartum, like, lack of yeah. leave. I do feel like what I, I feel like in my experience, our Mennonite culture is really similar in America. Like uh, your cousins or your female family members actually is part of their like learning as younger women of how yeah. to be a, a mom or like a person who has a household. Um, and so I feel like in Latin cultures as well, like you see a lot of like cousins or aunts or siblings involved in the process. And Which you have like a lot of hands on deck. Yeah. I really appreciated this one from the Native Americans. Um, so there's a ceremony. Um, it's a lying-in period. And for them, it's about the baby and the mom. So there's ritualistic bathing, a baby naming ceremony. Um, but for the mom, going to a sweat lodge to boost circulation, help eliminate toxins. Um, and they talk about how the Hopi people practice 20-day seclusion periods for mother and baby during which the mother might be served like their ceremonial food um, prepared in like hours long process by the elder women of the community Um, and it was a rite of passage so it was like it was just like ceremony was involved Mm -hmm. in it and I feel like we have had ceremony in our culture recently around the birth process and even around the immediate postpartum process, like, man, well, not really. But I was going to say where. <laughs> I was thinking about myself where we did a cord burning, but mm. that's not normal for most people. No. Um, yeah, we have a very, very obvious lack of ceremony. Yeah. And so the ceremony, even though it's not actually doing anything to feed your body, even though, I mean, they're using like ceremonial food. But it feeds like your soul. Soul. Yeah. Well, it's like what I was talking about earlier, like in, like intention goes a really long way. And like if you are given the message that where you're at in life is worthy of time and space and notice, like that's so validating and empowering. And it's just going to allow you to do that for yourself as well. Because we are often given the message that we're unimportant, unimportant and we don't want to make waves. Mm-hmm. Like, a, so. like we're such a fast tracked culture. We don't create any space for ceremony. If it was just normal for us to expect that ceremony, like most kids expect their third birthday to be celebrated. Um, yeah. Like what would that change in our lives? Well, We can only do like setting boundaries can, has to be taught. Right. So we have yeah. to start doing it. So Jen joked like, Oh, you should start at meals on wheels because I always bring food to people who are sick or, postpartum you are real you are really really good at that. i just feel like it's so important and my kids will learn that like they'll say hey can we go hang out and so and so i'm like no 
they just had a baby. We are dropping food off and we are leaving. Can I touch the baby? No. No, you can't. Don't put your nasty, grubby bacteria all over that new baby. Like, no. Like, you have to. We have it's to. It's not about you. Say. It's not about us. It's not about you, grandma, mother-in-law. Like, it's not about you. It's not about you. I'm so tired of these poor women coming in and saying, I just don't want to upset my mom. You know what? If your mom is upset because you're doing what's best for you and your baby, your mom needs to take a class. Yeah. In parenting. Oh, that would be great if there was a class. It's called therapy. (laughs) So boundaries. Like, we need to teach our kids boundaries start now mm-hmm. and or start with yourself i mean if i can't do it chuck and i set ourselves he still like get the looks we get from our local community when he says i'm the at-home parent that's not a thing around here in the shenandoah valley <laughs> they're like you cooking oh, clean shenandoah. and she works and he's like yeah you and i love so it sexist <laughs> but you know like for this, some giant man like chuck to be like no I am not going to go to work just to be the the manly breadwinner while my wife stays home. Like, I'm going to stay home. She's going to go to work. He is the best cleaner. He is the best cleaner. Especially he when he wears an apron and no shirt. But the point is, like, or we, need to, pants. we need to, like, break out of these, like, weird cultural expectations that we have truly set for ourselves like we're we're hurting ourselves at this point. Like, we need to do it for ourselves and then expect it for others yeah you know and that's the point is that we don't expect it and we feel like we're being a burden if we we do expect it it. but the more people ask for it it's just like our care in the hospital the more people ask for it the more normal it becomes i wanted to read about india um i really enjoyed this one but i think this is one i really like too yeah so and i'm gonna say like in India, it is their culture to return to their parents' home when they first have a baby, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that. So, the new mother often rep- returns to her parents' home with her newborn for up to three months of focused care. Um, there are many pairs of hands on call throughout the day. The women of the family cook soft and nurturing foods. They boil fresh milk three times in a row to break down its proteins. Which I think that goes across cultures. Cow milk can go through your breast milk. And it can Cause make your gas. baby have an upset stomach. Some mm-hmm. people are going to disagree with this. But the people of us who have experienced dairy it allergies can, it is in our babies. It's, it's, it's real. It's definitely real. Um, so they put in... So they also... Stir in melted ghee, which has some of the highest levels of fat-soluble vitamins, special spices, um, to restore the mother's depleted state. So they recognize that pregnancy and childbirth depletes a mother of the things she needs. And I think that that's so important for us to recognize as a culture is that we as mothers, we are depleted and we are using all of our mental strength to keep ourselves going in a state where our minds and our bodies are physically depleted and people aren't really recognizing that. Can I tell the flamingo story or is that boring? No, tell it. So I learned the other day that flamingos, after they have babies, they're so depleted and all their nutrients are so, they're so depleted of everything that they actually lose their pink. 
Yeah. Like they've used all of the krill and all the nutrients from the krill and their system to the point where they're completely white. drained and like they're white. Yeah. And then they, it takes like another couple of years for them to build up their color again, but they aren't like during the mating ceremonies, like the males don't pay attention to the females they're that are not, white because they recognize that they're not going to be good partners. That is amazing. Yeah. Because yeah. they're so depleted that they aren't ready to procreate again. So, so that's the thing. If, yes. if we drained our color, maybe people would pay no. more attention. We maybe. need to fill up our cups. We cups. We need to fill up our cups again. <laughs> but I also loved where it said about India that the people that are supporting the new mom. So we're talking a lot about attachment parenting and being there for your baby. But this one also recognized that there are some times where you need to not have a baby attached to you. And so it said... These loving hands also hold the baby whenever mom needs a break. Mm-hmm. Is that the one where it's the mom and the grandma focuses on the mom and then the great aunts and the great grandmother focuses on the I don't know. baby? I, I don't know. If it's not, that was, we'll have to figure out which one that is. But I thought that was really interesting because it's like the, you have delegated roles. That I think take the ego out of it, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know that your job is to support the mom or the baby. Yeah. And it, like, takes away that, like, I am like I have a right to see the baby. I have a right to do this. It's like, no, if, like, your job is to take care of the mom, that's your job. The yeah. end. And I want to point out, like, I've taken care of women from Korea, from China, from India. And I will say that all of this is like beautiful and tradition, but it's not always practiced. No. So if you are a listener from one of these countries, then it's okay for you to also try to bring back the beauty, the beauty of your own culture. Like yeah. we're saying we need to take all this beauty from all of these other cultures. But my understanding is some of these other cultures are struggling too. Right. It's not super accessible so, necessarily. Right. So but they should also be trying to bring back their traditions. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that every mom is getting these from these cultures. It's that throughout history, even without science, it was recognized that this was necessary across uh, cultural boundaries and the problem and to is to try and set boundaries for yourself to make these things possible for you as a postpartum mom and I think yeah and the problem is that we've we as women as birthers have taken on so much that it's almost giving the illusion that we don't need it anymore and I think that you know when we went through all the wars and that's this is getting way too political but the point is like women taking on men's roles I know that sounds horrible and I don't mean that you can't I'm just saying when we started doing everything when our partners weren't there it's giving the illusion that we don't need help and the truth is like we need it more than ever we're now now that our partners are typically here we continue to do everything else like yes it's time to be able to take back that mothering role just like we're taking back birth and we are if you want to if you want to or do whatever like i'm not saying you have to i'm just saying we're giving the illusion that we can shoulder everything but the truth is we're breaking the women of our society the birthers of our society the moms, the dads who have their kids, like we're breaking them. And then we get angry about it because we're the ones doing all these things and we're angry that people aren't helping us. And we're not asking for help. And then thus the cycle continues. We're not able to model like good behaviors for our own children to continue or to break this cycle and then empower our future generations to have better practices. 
I really don't think there are specific roles. I just want to say that. That's fine. I don't think that's what That's you not were what saying. I was implying. Just we should be able to take on anyone, the role that we feel is ours with support mm-hmm. and yes. supporting people in supporting roles. Well, I think that that's been part of like my growing experience as a human is realizing that humans need other humans. And there's times in our lives, and I think it's especially times of trauma, and you spoke to that because the times when we really were like, we can do all of these things, were times of like huge trauma in historically, like everybody was right. going through trauma. Mm-hmm. And that was important. But also, it is also important to realize that humans need other humans and human like we can get by without support we can survive but you'll be less of a person you'll be unhappy you'll be less of a person driving are two very different things you'll be less of a parent you'll i mean so there's all this beauty we can bring back into life as if we support each other as human beings and recognize that just like you know animals that lose their pink color and their krill because they're depleted that we as humans get depleted and we need our cup to be refilled or we lose our happiness and beauty and we can help you like like it might you might be somebody sitting there going i want to ask my partner to do this with the kids so that i can do that like you do you need a pep talk like send us something we'll be like you got this do it be kind of try this like that try saying it this way or try saying it that way or say it your own way. Like I do it to you all the time. Oh, you yeah. guys, I'm like, okay, I'm about to do this. Give me some good wording so that Chuck or, or whoever at work, like I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but I need my point. Like you need, you need somebody to just be like, you got this. Like, that's what we are here for. Or like yeah. I channel my inner Kim when I need to use humor. <laughs> yeah. Or just say no. Like, Hey, I'm bringing food by and I'm going to snuggle that baby. No. Leave the food on the step, knock three times, and leave. And then if you're still mad at me next week. If you love me. That's fine. Or if that person is a really good friend of you and wants to leave food, and you feel at that moment that you are depleted and you want to take a shower and you want them to snuggle your baby, you have the right to say, right now I want you to snuggle my baby. Please. But... (laughs) If it's about baby, what you want, though, not what If your what baby's hungry are. and if you just want to lay in bed skin to skin with your baby, which we don't do enough in this culture because we have other things to do, that you can say, no, I'm laying skin to skin with my baby. And we realize that just like a tiny little baby kangaroo needs to stay in its mama pe- kangaroo's pouch for this many months and nobody ever sees it. Exactly. Do you know one of the most annoying slash cool things I've ever seen is a waterproof baby wrap so that you can shower with your baby. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, that's cool because some babies like to shower and I might want to get in the shower with my baby. But truly, it's like also because women won't even ask someone to hold their kid to shower. Yeah. They put their baby on them naked and then they get in and they shower that way. Or they try and put them in a bouncy seat outside the right. shower and the kid and screams like, and then they're say, stressed out their entire time. They don't get to enjoy that shower. So like, I'd rather keep the kid on me if it's going to keep them quiet and right. enjoy my shower. So like, but then they cool. think something's wrong with them because their kid can't be put in a bouncy seat for two seconds when it's like. No, you're a mammal. You're a kid. That's normal. Right. So it's like all these inventions that are awesome are also so we can do more. Yeah. Like, instead of do less. Like, But sometimes we need to just so- 
realize we need to do less. We need to do less. Like, okay. Less is more in this situation. Your friends. partner. Right. I've heard women like, well, they, they work 16 hours. They were exhausted when they got You're home. like, you haven't stopped working for 16 right. weeks. So I felt bad <laughs> asking them to hold the baby so I can shower. And that's almost everyone I talk to. Yeah. I did it. Yeah. I did it. I would not shower for days. And I would tell other women, you should shower. Other people, you should shower, but I didn't because Chuck would come home. Taking your own advice is the worst. Right. And I'd feel bad. But so instead of asking him to shower, I'd strap the baby on and get in. Like, that's stupid, but necessary. But come on. Ask for a shower. It happens. It happens. So basically, it's time to end out this episode. So what about, how do you say no? We need to practice saying no. You really suck at it, but. I'm terrible at saying no. I'm getting much better at it. You are getting better. Much better. But if I said, I want to come by, hey, I'll be there because it's my turn to hold the baby and I'm coming over tomorrow. Is this you or someone I don't like it's as much so, as it's you? So, it's someone you don't, it's somebody who has no right to do that. It's anybody. Yeah. I'd no be one. like, um, how would I say that? Yes. Be like, well. Or you would probably just not answer. You'd probably just ignore well, it and hope that they don't come. Um, actually, I'm going to be laying naked skin to skin with my baby and my nipples will re Hopefully the naked so will scare them away. So if you're okay with nipples... And you're okay with anything else you might see, you can come and sit in my bedroom and talk to me and bring me food. Hmm. But no, that's really not. You're hoping to scare them away, though. You actually don't want them to come. So that's not a good way to say no. Let's practice again. If it works. I like the sandwich. You know, we're really good friends and I really value you. But I'm focusing on my baby right now and doing skin to skin. Maybe we can check in in a couple weeks. It's the sandwich. You take a positive, negative, positive. Oh. And... it makes things easier to digest for people. Do you ever use that sandwich on me? No, I never do. I might do it unintentionally. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I do that. I do whatever. I'm like, you know, I love you. Yes. I know but Kim's doing it because she texts me. I love you. Feeling weird about this. So, Kim, how would you say no? No. <laughs> yeah, Kim's really good at it. No, thanks. Just she, not to her children. She's not as good as it as she thinks no, she is. No, I'm not. She's really not. So someone I've, says she's going to say no to us because she's comfortable well, with now, us. But now I'm fine with it. I used to not be. I used to not be okay with it. But now I would say I really appreciate that so much. But I just I can't right now. And if you want to leave food, I appreciate that. And I love you so much. But I just I don't have energy right now to even talk to anybody. I'm exhausted. But I am so happy you're bringing me food. You are so amazing. Exclamation point. Smiley face, little heart. She did the unicorn, sandwich too. All the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You. Yeah. You, it's a sandwich. You say, "Oh a sandwich my gosh, of love no. and negativity." But why? Here's why you're awesome for for offering. Yeah, you have to say no. But I never did it. But I didn't have people showing up. So I. I mean, I only have one friend now too. So <laughs> <laughs> you have lots of people who would like to be your friends. And now I have Nikki and Nikki, and Nikki. I have three Nikki's. So that's cool. Aww. <laughs> the Knickies. <laughs> Kanikis. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I don't. I'll give you a hickey from Kaniki. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Breaks all of our rules. So, there, there. See, we all struggle to say no, myself included, but seriously, it's so important. I think the takeaway is the sandwich is always a good choice. <laughs> sandwich is a good choice. <laughs> tell people you love them, tell them what you need from them, and then tell them you love them again. And then no. reiterate. And uh, then reiterate how great they you are. You almost did it. We should wrap no, up before right. Brock comes running over. All right. I'm going to wrap it up like a dog. But all you postpartum moms out there, you are so amazing. You are worth it. You deserve for love and praise and 
hot stone massages and, and belly wraps and all the things. And we soup. actually didn't get to cover all the, the cultures we thought we were going to. Shocking. We talked too much. But you deserve all the things. And the only other thing we have to say is... Cheers! Cheers! <laughs> <laughs> we tried. And also, no. No.